Welcome to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate, where we discuss e-commerce issues and whether our guest today automated, delegated, or eliminated them and why. Your host is Will Christensen, co-founder of Data Automation. And again, welcome to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. I'm your host, Will Christensen. This is sponsored by Data Automation. This is our first episode of our second season, and this season is specifically focused on SaaS founders and the automations or delegations or eliminations they brought to the world. So we're going to be interviewing um, these founders at at the bare root of of what it was uh, to come into their company. And sometimes we'll get the founders, sometimes we'll get employee number one or employee number two. And we have a very special guest to invite on the show today. Um, I have to tell you a little bit about how I came in contact with them. My original experience with this company, they're called Rocket Genius. And many of you are listening are like, Rocket Genius? I've never heard of Rocket Genius before. But you've probably heard of very popular WordPress Forms plugin called Gravity Forms. I was personally introduced to Gravity Forms when I was out there hacking away at building the website, figuring out exactly how to do all of that. And I totally installed the free version of Gravity Forms and messed around with it a whole bunch, and tried all of its competitors and, and was just impressed with what I saw there. Well, fast forward several years and I was working at Data Automation and I got this email from this guy at Rocket Genius and he was like, yeah, I'm the guy who founded Gravity Forms. And I was like, holy crap, I'm talking to the guy who built that plugin. And I got so excited about what was there. And we geeked out for a couple of hours talking about all the things that he had done over the years building this. And I just, I fell in love with that idea of of SaaS founders and their stories and the automations, delegations, or eliminations they're bringing to the world. And so this season is all about bringing those things to the forefront and reliving some of those initial days of a startup. Without further ado, let me welcome David Smith, who is the community leader at Rocket Genius, and he was the company's first hire. So we're talking to employee number one. David has been with Gravity Forms as a developer for over 10 years, and he has published hundreds of Gravity Forms resources on his blog, gravitywiz.com. He enjoys short walks, preferably not on the beach. And so without further ado, welcome, David, to our show. Hey, well, thanks for having me. We're, we're super excited. We, we were actually, just before we aired the show, we were both talking about how much we love to geek out and talk about founder stories. And so I'm super excited. So for those of you who may not have heard of Gravity Forms and are rapidly Googling it right now, let's unveil that a little bit, David. What does Gravity Forms do? So Gravity Forms is the premier WordPress form builder available for WordPress. It lets you build pretty much any kind of online form that you would need. If you want to collect payments, it can do that. If you want to send your form data to Zapier or any other automation service, it can do that. Uh, If you just want a simple contact form, it can do that. It keeps track of your entries for you. So you can go back and look at what was previously submitted, sends notifications uh, to people that submitted the form, and you can even follow up and send notifications later. So it really dips its toes into a lot of different areas all around uh, data collection, data management, and then what you do with that data after it's been collected. I love it. And that's such a fantastic, I mean, when we're talking automation, right? This is right square in the middle of a place where there is, it's fraught with manual processes. 
fraught with things you can do wrong. I love it. This is, this is a perfect fit for our, our, our opening episode here. So tell us, who are the founders of Gravity Forms? So there's uh, three of them, Carl, Alex, and Kevin, uh, aka the, the brains, the brawn, and the beauty. You have one of them that is very much the idea guy, you know, just always brainstorming new ways to improve the product, new markets to explore. Then you have Alex, who's the brawn. He's the guy that he knows how to actually get the job done. Uh, and then Kevin, uh, who has been the designer and kind of lead marketer um, for the lifetime of the product. I love it. I love it. And you think about startups and uh, some of the different ways that startups come together and, and the, the team that they form. I'm I'm super excited about where this is going. So how did they get the idea for Gravity Forms or for, I guess, the name that you go by is Rocket Genius, but but the name that a lot of people know you by is Gravity Forms. How did they get the, the idea? So I got to start by talking about the name Rocket Genius because that's just hilarious. Carl, actually, he was just, I forget exactly the specific thing that happened, but he was a little flustered by something and he was like, hey, like, you don't have to be a rocket genius to figure this out. But he had actually meant to say the, you know, more classic expression, rocket scientist. And then everybody just immediately, you know, really appreciated that phrase and it really just stuck. And so for years after that, we would actually use that as like a, a funny expression, like in the group, you know, like, oh, you must be a rocket genius. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and it's interesting how some of those things were, it was totally an inside joke until someone decided to turn it into the company name. Yeah. Until someone decided to turn into a very successful company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you you mentioned the brawn, the beauty. What were the three? The brains, the brawn, the beauty. The brains, the brawn, the beauty. I've also heard the hipster, the hacker, and the hustler. Ah, so, I like so, it. So the hipster, the hacker, and the hustler. And it's actually very common for startups to have these different personalities come to the table, join forces to create something more than what's there. So I love that these rocket geniuses oh, yeah. came together and created this. So, so I mean, all right, so let's dig into the idea. What was it like? What gave them the idea to, to jump in? You know, these guys are all entrepreneurial by nature. They're always, you know, had like little, little side hustles that they were working on. And so while they're working at this other company called Channel Blade, they had kind of, you know, gravitated towards each other. They had been working on related teams. And Carl, of course, being the idea guy, is just plotting, you know, hey, guys, I have this really cool idea to build a travel site. And so they started this travel site called tikigo.com. And it was going to be the basically Airbnb before Airbnb was a thing, you know? And so they started working on that and it, you know, started getting kind of serious, but they were having some issues there just trying to get it to actually fully take off. So after that point, they decide, hey, you know what? We basically have to leave. Now, the hilarious part about when they decided to leave <laughs> was that it was back in 2008 which I'm sure most of us will remember, that is right in the middle of the subprime mortgage crisis. So as far as times to, you know, leave your super stable job, it's not, you know, your go-to time. It's like, okay, like maybe not now, but they oh, did. God. And so, you know, they, they realized though that at the same time, you know, Alex and Carl, they had both recently had their first children. So family obligation takes a lot of time to raise a kid. Uh, and then all three founders, of, of course, are still working full time at this other company, Channel Blade. And basically, it boiled down to the fact that nights and weekends just weren't cutting it. You know, they wanted to do something. They wanted to do something right. And they realized that they needed to fully commit to it in order to make that happen. Wow. So and I think my favorite part, something to pull out there 
it's amazing how often the way a successful company starts is by starting something that failed miserably, right? So so how often it is like, oh, they, they were Airbnb before it was Airbnb. Like, imagine if they had actually been Airbnb, like, holy cow. Well, yeah. and, and, and it's fascinating to, to watch what comes from the ashes, so to speak, of, of some of our ideas that don't go somewhere. So, okay, what made these guys kind of, you know, fit as a good team? So it's funny, you were talking about like, you know, coming from the ashes of old projects. And I think a lot of times what those old projects can do, though, is they teach you how to work together. And I think that's what they really realized. There was actually a fourth founder of the Tiki Go, and they just didn't fit with him. But through that, they realized that they fit really well. You know, they got along well personally. They had very similar business and product values. They always agreed on like the big decisions. And again, they all had, you know, very different but complementary skill sets. Again, that goes back to the brains, the brawn, the beauty. They could, there was not really any big limitation for them that would prevent them from exploring any number of business ideas. I love it. And finding that core team and those core partners is such a key part of of creating a business that was at, that will actually thrive beyond what's there. And sometimes you have to exercise some elimination uh, to go back to the podcast that I hear and, and eliminate the partner that doesn't make sense for, for what's there. It really is so important. I mean, I've learned that in my even in my own personal experiences, you do sometimes have to make that very difficult personal decision and business decision to part ways with a partner. And it's it's never easy. But oftentimes, if you're if you're in that situation where you're feeling like you, that you might need to I think a lot of times it's worth at least exploring that option further. Awesome. Well, I'm a huge fan of the book, The Lean Startup, and the pivot or persevere. And, and it sounds like there was a pivot here, because Tiki Go is not something that I've, I've, ever, I've ever come across before. So, <laughs> so and, and I'm guessing that was the business plan kind of in the beginning. What happened? Well, it's funny. They actually had decided to abandon Tiki Go before they quit. So when they quit, there was no project. There was no <laughs> vision for like what they were going to do other than the fact that they knew that they worked well together and that they had this complementary skill set between them. So there was a confidence that there was a product that existed that they would be able to excel at. But again, when they quit, there was no actual project that they were pursuing. Talk about gutsy. That's, Agreed. That's like, all right, guys, we're going to jump out of this plane. You got a parachute? Nope. But we'll find one on the way down. Yeah, we can build one. I'm confident. <laughs> I, yeah. I can make a, I'm, uh, we got a MacGyver on our hands. I can make a parachute out of my jacket. And <laughs> wow. It's like, Carl, Carl, we need you to, to drop a diagram. Uh, Kevin, we want you to design it. And then, uh, Alex, you need to build it in about three seconds. Before we hit the ground. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. okay. So, I mean, obviously, we know kind of the end of the story to some degree or another. They they came up and, and not to this isn't the end. This is, we're, we're just getting to the good part here. Oh, yeah. What was it that led them to go to a form system? Like what? What was that about? Right. So let me back up just a quick second and just talk a little bit more about like setting the stage for like how critical this decision was. So they quit their day jobs, but in, in a stroke of, of brilliance. Carl, again, the brains, <laughs> he goes to his boss at the company Channel Blade and he says, hey, look, I have an idea. Why don't you subcontract my job out to me 
And then I just won't be an employee anymore because the company, he knew as a manager at that company that they were actually in the, in the process of trying to sell. And so he, they were trying to actively cut costs on paper at least. And so he said, hey, he used that information to his advantage and proposed that idea to them and they bit immediately. So they basically get the more money for the same work and like half the hours. So they go off and do their own thing. And then Kevin had was already doing, you know, freelance web design at the time. And then Alex, again, as far as just, you know, pushing through like that idea, like he's like, hey, look, I want to do something. I'm going to make it happen. So he found a new job and he told them, hey, I'll work for you, but I want to do my 40 hour week in three days. And I want two full days a week to go and work at, you know, this new company, Rocket Genius. And he was able to do that. So talk about hustle, though. He was getting up at 6 a.m., working till, you know, 6 or 7 every day for three days. And then he would do the same thing at Rocket Genius to start working on this first product. I, You know, you talk about the grit that it takes to lift, you know, go from nothing to something that's going to actually create some real value and then create livelihood for not only these three founders, but also their families. And the other piece there, there is so much grit that's needed to to generate enough value that you can actually create a sustainable system and business. That is so, I mean, I love the look between the three, the three founders. I mean, who works 40 hours in three days? I, I've never even heard of that. If you were thinking about quitting your job, you may, you may have another option. And then Carl's option to go like, Oh, I'm going to subcontract like that, that. That sounds like four hour work week crap. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I actually called Alex just because I wanted to confirm. I was like, were you really working 40 hours in three days? I was like, that's a lot of hours, man. And then to come in and work, you know, full, you know, 10 to 12 hour days at Rocket Genius. And he was like, yeah, it was 40 hours. And But, you know, the thing is, he was saying that it was honestly like a really good time for him because he felt, you know, that he was he felt a, a strong conviction uh, in the product that they were working on. Well, we, we have to take our hats off. It was, was Alex married at the time? We need to take our hat off to his wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she definitely was a trooper during that time. Again, first child, by the way, uh, oh. maybe like a few months before they quit Channel Blade. So this was definitely, as much as he says, it, he looks back and thinks of it as like a happy time. I'm I'm willing to bet that there is another side to that story. Well, and I mean, they look back on it now, and part of the reason it's a happy time is because it's ended up in, in the level of success that they have. And, oh, yeah. and that's, that's true of any lens that you look through. It's so important to recognize that vision and hold on tight and keep going hard. I mean, he must have been a champion sales guy to pitch that to his wife. Okay, honey, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to work for 40 hours for three days and then i'm gonna work 10 to 12 for another two you might see me at night sometimes but we're this is all gonna grow into something huge and she turns around and says well what are you building and he says i don't know but we're gonna build something great trust me we're gonna build parachute (laughs) okay what what happened next Okay, so again, Kevin was already doing freelance web development at the time. So he's using WordPress on pretty much every project. And one of the consistent pain points that he kept running into was forms. And at this time, he was really just doing the simplest forms, just like contact forms. And, you know, the customer or client would want like a specific, you know, configuration. 
And of course you can do it with, you know, HTML and markup, but, but then you got to handle like where it goes afterwards and, you know, and then you got to get into like the whole security of that information and is it protected? Is it, you know, is it accessible to malicious users? So he was just like, man, this is like such a pain. And he found some, you know, PHP solution that he could just install and he still had to do a lot of the legwork. There just wasn't a polished solution to this pain point for him. And so then, you know, he brings us up to Carl and they're talking one night. He's like, hey, I really hate doing forms in WordPress. I just, there's not a good solution for it. And then it just all like clicks, you know, like just all aligns, like the stars are like perfectly aligned here because they realize like, well, hey, Alex just built two form builders at previous companies. And then all three of them had just built a form builder for Channel Blade. And it was just like, aha, we are just uniquely positioned to pursue this, you know, right now, right? and we can just do it. The crazy thing is that aha moment where it, it, it always starts with a pain point, just like that. Like you look at any business that grew, you know, from anywhere, and it always starts with that pain point. Somebody's got an itch. Somebody's got a pain that, they, you know, they're just like, ah, oh, there is just not something out there that solves this. And so I love that they get they go back and they start looking around each other like, wait a minute, all three of us have distinct experience in form building and there isn't a good form builder for WordPress. And at that moment, they're all thinking, wait a minute, why didn't we come up with this sooner? Like, of course, this is what we should be pursuing. Yeah. But it took quitting for him to go out and do a whole bunch of freelance stuff to start to oh, figure out where that is. That's awesome. You know, oh. I think it's also funny because I think a lot of times, you know, you can get in your comfort zone. And as much as they knew how to build a form builder, they also knew how much work it was. And I think subconsciously, there was probably some sort of resistance to this idea of building another form builder, you know, but as soon as they kind of realized like, hey, this is a good idea. We have the experience. Let's just do this. I think once you commit to that, that's when you can like really get the results that you want. Well, and think about it. If he had decided or if they had looked at that beforehand, I mean, there's all sorts of conflicts of interest and other things that could have popped up to, to sway them one way or the other. But because they said, okay, no, we're going to form a team. This feels like good to great. Get the right people on the bus and then figure out what you're going to build. So once they figured out, okay, we got the right people on the bus. Now let's start figuring out what it looks like. And they were smart enough to figure out how to keep their families afloat during this time, you know, working the two jobs thing, doing the contracting thing. Oh, that's powerful. I, I love, I love where they, so, so, so it dawns on them. Okay. Form building. We're going to build a form builder for WordPress. Yep. So they pitch it to Alex, you know, and Alex is like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to need to learn how to do writing PHP. Because, you know, WordPress is written in PHP. So that's always like one of like the, the legends, you know, of, of Gravity Forms is that they sent Alex home with, you know, like my first PHP book. <laughs> and he comes in the next day and he just immediately breaks ground on Gravity Forms 1.0. I mean, that almost feels like, you know, you sent him home and he, he literally like ate the book, like chopped it up and ate it with some syrup, you know, like what came back the next day and was like, oh, yeah, I've totally consumed all of that. Let's do this. We've got it done now. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, you know, Alex was he was, as you say, a real developer. You know, he had worked with the Microsoft languages and frameworks, but, you know, PHP was absolutely a much easier language just to pick up and run with. You know, it is the barrier to entry is very low with PHP. And I think that's why, you know, it's it's remained an incredibly popular language to this day. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, and that's so powerful as well. When you're considering tech stack and you're considering where that is, remember that in this in this instance of this startup that we're exploring right now, they didn't go and say, oh, hey, Alex, go get you know this Microsoft certificate or go do two years of development in X, Y, or Z because they didn't know. Until they had an idea and chose where they were going, that's when they sent him home with the, the how-to PHP book. <laughs> so it's important that you recognize that a lot of what you do in a startup is wasted effort until you choose a direction and you actually can see where that was. So they had a validated problem that was being done by, you know, that they had seen tried to fix themselves and weren't finding a solid option. And they were like, okay, we're going to build Gravity Forms 1.0. Yep. <laughs> so what else did they do to prepare for the launch beyond obviously sending Alex home with, with uh, how to how to PHP 101? Yeah, so they spent, I don't even know actually how long it was, but it was months and months of development, you know, and they, they're kind of nearing this point where they're like, okay, I think we're actually ready to show people you know, what Gravity Forms looks like and how it works. So WordPress has these camps or conferences and they call them word camps. And one of the biggest ones for a while was uh, WordCamp Chicago. And this whole next little bit here just kind of speaks to the importance of networking. You know, it's actually as social as I am. It's always something that's been difficult for me to want to invest the time in. It always feels so much more productive to just focus on the product and build the product. But you're going to see here, it is critical. It's a huge part of the Gravity Forms success story. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Gravity Forms, where did they come up with that name? You know, that's actually a great question. I They love space, right? So they already had this rocket genius theme going. And the the gravity aspect of it was, I think that was just like pure whimsy. They were just like, hey, we want to stay somewhere within this space theme. For a while there, all the internal projects at Gravity Forms were named after NASA projects. <laughs> yeah, so there was definitely a theme there, like, okay, let's keep it spacey. Uh, but as far as like why gravity, you know, the forms part, I, I think, speaks for itself. We're, we're going to have to put that. You're going to have to go ask that specifically, and we're going to put it in the show notes, or I'm going to get on at the Absolutely. end. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm gonna, we're going we're to clip that on to the end of this episode. I'll get a more definitive answer, yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay, keep going. Keep going. So they go to this WordCamp. Alex, who is a – I don't want to say he's a shy guy, but he definitely does not prefer the spotlight. Oh, he's shy. I totally invited him on this podcast, and he was like, no way, man. I am. I don't want to talk to humans. I, I'm not the podcast guy. He's totally such an amazing dude. We have had so many good discussions. I, I mean, amazing, amazing individual. But yeah, he's not the spotlight guy. Yeah, he actually told me that you speak Portuguese, which was an awesome little fun fact. I do. Yeah, I, I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Brazil for two years. And when he called me up, I was like, you have a really awesome accent. And I, I could see his last name as well. I was like, where are you from? He's like, oh, I'm from Brazil. And so we just immediately spouted off in Portuguese. And he was like, what the heck? How do you speak Portuguese? It, it was a great conversation. <laughs> and I think I think my wife was in the room and she was like rolling her eyes at me. Because whenever I hear anybody speak Portuguese, I like to hunt them out in the airport. And we'll chat them up because I'm trying to practice my Portuguese. Oh, yeah. No, I think it's so awesome that he said that you guys only speak in Portuguese now on any calls you guys do yep we do we do yeah. because I, i'm trying to practice still it's been like 10 years since i came back from my mission for the journey of jesus christ of latter-day saints and i still speak it well enough i mean enough to get by I, I still have to ask him how to say things every once in a while but 
Well, he spoke very highly of your Portuguese. Oh, well, uh, it, we're getting distracted here. But so <laughs> so Alex is is he, he's not the spotlight guy. Not at all. We'll go ahead and say, OK, we'll, we'll just agree that he is a bit of a shy guy. So they what do Carl and Kevin do? They throw him in a T-shirt that says, ask me about gravity form. Oh, no. <laughs> but it's hilarious because when you put Alex on the spot, man, he will come through. And he does. He goes full marketer. And every time someone asks, you know, he just like spouts off all the features. He gets excited. He gets them excited. And That's it just the Brazilian. goes off. But like, yeah. That's the Brazilian in him. The Brazilian in him. He's like, oh, right. I remember the rest of everybody in my country. Not to, This is not trying to be racist or anything like that but brazilians are generally a very like open-minded people totally i can see that i can see that so as part of alex's marketing efforts here you know at this WordCamp, he they end up talking to tons of very influential people in the wordpress community at the time and everyone you know pretty much universally impressed by what they saw again there's nothing out there that even compares to what gravity forms was offering at the time just the ease of use was unseen in WordPress plugins at the time. So they even demoed it for the uh, WordPress founder, uh, Matt Mullenweg at the time. And he was, uh, I guess he was still, he's still the founder, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> he's not the founder anymore. We just, uh, yeah. <laughs> still the founder, still the founder. Still the founder. He was super impressed. He was a little uncomfortable with the fact that the, the licensing hadn't been decided at that point. So it wasn't actually decided that it was going to be GPL. It, my understanding is that he actually, uh, his reaction to that helped them solidify their decision to make Gravity Forms GPL. The whole point of all this was they go and they have this very successful event. They meet a ton of influential people in the WordPress community. And they just established an actual following for the product before it had even launched. And just another little fun fact there, they actually met one of their future employees at the same WordCamp. Not me. It was actually employee number two or three. Now, I forget which one he was, but I just always thought that was fun. Like, just again, the power of networking. You know, you meet people that help you promote your product. You meet people who want to buy your product. And then you meet people that want to work on your product. Well, and it's important to recognize that you shouldn't be burning any bridges at any point in your career. Do your very best to leave your current employer happy do your very best to leave your next employer happy. Like just in general, it's best to keep those bridges alive, no matter what the situation presents, because you could have been a total jerk at that conference and then missed out on the opportunity to have those individuals work for work for it. Right. That could have happened. But because Absolutely. these are upstanding, solid individuals, you know, they, they weren't about burning bridges. They weren't about creating competitions. They were about creating a unified approach to things it's just important to keep those doors open you never know who you're going to end up working with in the future pretty powerful i couldn't stuff. agree more yeah absolutely so okay so so they they get there they talk to a bunch of these guys they talk to mike he's impressed by it to some degree or another and is this when they finally are like okay maybe we have something here or did they know they had something even before that they had a good feeling about it. Again, just by comparison, there was nothing else out there. You know, just imagine the first car. It's probably like, wow, if I'm comparing this to a horse, this is obviously much faster, you know? So that's a very similar thing to what was going on with gravity forms at the time. It was absolutely the car and there was, you know, a couple other horses out there, but nothing that was really competitive with what gravity forms was doing. Well, and they were distinctly set apart or qualified to create the car. I mean, think about this. They, all three of them had prior form building experience 
and form builder experience. I mean, who else had that that was getting out there and, and, and was willing to put in the time and effort to create a form builder that would do what they needed it to do? So, I mean, really, really powerful in terms of in terms of where they go. So, of course, they're going to create the car versus the horse. Absolutely. And of course, they're going to sell the car, which was another huge distinction between gravity forms and pretty much everything else out there everything else out there was free. And so Gravity Forms was one of the first premium plugins for WordPress, which is again, another huge paradigm shift that happened there. You know, there was definitely a resistance to this idea that, you know, you sell plugins. It was, no, no, plugins are free. Maybe we'll buy a theme because premium themes were a thing at the time. But again, premium plugins, it was, I don't want to say it was taboo, but it was, it was a little, there was a resistance to it. Oh, I, I didn't pay for it right off the bat. Like, <laughs> in, in fact, it took me a long time to jump in. I used the free version forever because I didn't feel like I needed it. Right. And so they had that premium approach that was there. But I remember, I remember looking at it and like, oh, I'm not going to pay for a plugin. Right. Like, like I, I remember having that initial feeling when I looked at it the first time. They decide they're going to go that direction and get there. I mean, what are what are some of the early milestones or what sets Gravity Forms apart from the competitors? I would say the, the biggest one is the ease of use. It was the fact that you could just drag and drop the fields. The editor was, to some degree, what you see is what you get editor, where you know you could actually see the layout of what you were building as you were building it. It didn't actually show you what it would look like on the front end uh, in regards to like your theme and how your theme might affect it, but it gave you a, a pretty you know close representation of what you were gonna see. They had more of a WYSIWYG editor than most of WordPress did for years. I mean, you look at the front end of WordPress and kind of how things came in and like how the front pages worked and the themes. And I mean, it used to be that the only way you could get it to look the way you wanted it to look was go get a custom theme. Well, now there's all sorts of drag and drop WYSIWYG editors that have that and, and have some of those capabilities. You think of Divi and the elegant themes and some of those other pieces that are out there. It is so powerful to note that they are literally years ahead of their competition and ahead of even WordPress in terms of, of some of the WYSIWYG, I mean, they had widgets and widget spaces that you could kind of drag and drop things into. But but the idea of being able to be like, hey, I want this form first. No, no I'm just kidding. I want to move this form down here. And it was, it was actually a click and drag versus, a, you know, click on a button and it moves up and pushes the other one down. Like that, that sort of drag and drop interface is way ahead of what I've seen from a lot of form builders. Yeah, for sure. I think some of the other things that really helped it stand out were honestly the support. Again, this is the first premium, well, not the first, but one of the first premium plugins to really hit the WordPress market. So support was a big part of what we were selling at that time. We're saying like, hey, you know, you buy our product and we're going to make sure that any issues you have, we're going to solve. And there was a very strong commitment to that support. People ended up to some degree buying it just because they came to trust the support. You know, our name got out there as a very reputable company who's not going to leave you high and dry. Again, in the WordPress ecosystem, there are tons of conflicts. There are tons of just random issues that are so hard for a beginner user to track down. So Gravity Forms kind of started this charge of like, hey, like we're going to get you through it. We're going to make sure that you can use our product on your site. And we would go above and beyond when troubleshooting theme and plugin conflicts to try and make our plugin as you know future-proof and as third-party proof as possible. 
Well, and and it's that's so powerful because I remember building on WordPress and being like, oh, I'll just install a plugin for that. Oh, I'll just install a plugin for that. Oh, I'll just install a plugin for that. And so when you get that mentality, you don't realize how much of that can conflict and create issues and create that there. And, 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 you know, if you're listening, raise your hand if you ever install the plugin and then the developer just disappeared. Oh, wait, that's never ha- Oh, no, that happens to me all the time. And so now as a, as a WordPress developer and as an automation guy, I actually stray away from plugins that aren't paid. Wait, did he just say he strays away from plugins that aren't? Yes, that is correct. I now look for plugins and businesses and add-ons. When I'm, when I'm bringing something into my business, I look for the paid ones because I want the business to be around in the long term. And I know that if I, if I create a dependency for my business, forms, I, I don't know why forms are important. Maybe that's where you like, I don't know, get leads. <laughs> so if you're going to depend completely upon somebody to give you leads, I would recommend a paid plugin every time because you're going to pay them a small amount every year. And in exchange for that, they're going to give you the stability that you're looking for to build a business off of that. Whereas if you just use whatever free one that's out there, uh, yeah, it might work, but you're going to have to babysit that thing because they didn't promise you anything for that return, right? There's no there's no real value exchange. Oh, absolutely. And that we didn't even touch on security. You know, that's something that we get regular security audits and we are constantly fixing, you know, even potential remotely nuanced security issues. You're not getting that with a free plugin. You know, you're getting that with a premium plugin because we can actually afford to make that investment back into our product. Well, and this isn't about selling Gravity Forms, but it is about helping people recognize what did Gravity Forms bring to the table that was so valuable. Okay, so David, at what point did you enter this grand play that we've just, you know, what act did you join this uh, troop of, of uh, merry actors? So it was, I was with them at Channel Blade before they were you know, the trio. And yeah, so I, I was one of, uh, I got on board at Channel Blade right out of high school. You know, the summer I graduated, I got a foot in the door at this company. And I met these guys and they, they took a liking to me. They're all about a, a decade older than me. So, you know, I'm this 18 year old. They're like, you know, 28, early 30s. And they just, you know, basically ends up being a, a big brother, maybe, maybe older son kind of relationship. And they definitely take me under the wing and they mentor me at this other company. So when that, when that other company actually laid me off right before Gravity Forms launched, or maybe like a few six months or so before Gravity Forms launched, they called me up and they're like, hey, we heard that she got laid off. Why don't you come over here and do that contract work from Channel Blade? So the same company that I just got laid off at, we want you to do the work that we are contracted to do for us, for them. <laughs> <laughs> So they're still cutting costs to sell at this point. Oh, yeah. And so this is all, just to be clear, this is all, you know, I'm not an official employee at this point. I'm just hanging out with the boys. And they're just like, hey, can you do this for us? You know, and we'll just, you can just take that money now because, you know, we have like, we have our clear vision now. We want to spend even more time focusing on that vision now that we have it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But so, that, yeah, that's awesome. So, so you get in there and you're, you're doing the Channel Blade stuff, even though you're not really at Channel Blade anymore. Nope. And, and what goes down <laughs> at this point? So you, you did you help them build anything inside WordPress, or the, the Gravity Forms 1.0? or? So I didn't personally touch any of the Gravity Forms 1.0 code base, but shortly after launch, you know, one of the first issues is support. They're like, man, we got to support this product now. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I actually just, because, you know, again, I'm young at this time. I don't really have anything else super important going on. I just say, hey, guys, uh, I'll hop on the forums and just help out, you know, like in my spare time just for fun. And then quickly they realize like, well, you know, why don't we pay you to do a couple hours a week? So then I was kind of like a contractor. And then again, the, the company just, the product just continued to succeed. So then they were just like, hey, let's just bring you on. You know, let's make it all official. Why don't you come on board as, you know, as the number one employee, which of course I did make a big deal about. I was like, guys, guys, am I your first employee? <laughs> <laughs> am I employee number one here? Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love I it. I want to thank God. It. I want to thank my mom. <laughs> the academy and everyone yeah. who's all the little people i've stepped on to get here <laughs> all the people buying gravity forms every day thank you so much <laughs> thank you so much for getting me here oh i love yeah. it so so the company begins to grow and let's jump through that so so it grows from one then two what's the time frame like as you begin to hire and, and grow it, the company revenue grew much more quickly than the company employment grew. Like there was, it was definitely actually stayed a very small company for a very long time, even though the, the revenue was, you know, skyrocketing. And there was a number of reasons for that. Some of those were just the fact that they enjoyed the culture of the small company. You know, it's, you have these guys, these three founders that you've been working with for years and years now at this point. You have your employee number one who you love dearly. You know, I don't think I don't think they'll fight that. <laughs> and so there is a feeling of like, ah, do we do we really want to to mess with the culture that we've created? But then eventually, you know, stuff just happens where, you know, this the level of support was so great that they were like, okay, we definitely need to bring on somebody. So then, you know, you bring on one person, then Okay. And we still have more support. Let's bring on somebody else. And then eventually you get to the point where the tickets, there's so many of them that you actually need to get somebody to help out with uh, technical support. And mm -hmm. so then, because otherwise the lead developer, Alex at the time, just couldn't actually do any new product development because he was stuck doing you know, mm -hmm. the technical support. Mm -hmm. So that's, it kind of happened very organically, but very slowly. There was definitely a resistance to, to growing again with this idea of we love the, the culture and we just don't want to deal with the complications of a larger company. So, so let's fast forward to now. How many employees are we talking about that are, that are at Rocket Genius? So now we're at 25 employees. Okay. Yeah, and there's awesome. a few contractors as well. And they're they're all over the all over the world, right? Oh yeah, we are. Well, as of COVID, we're all now fully remote. But before COVID, I think we only had what was that? Maybe ten local employees, and then the other the other fifteen would be yeah, all over the world. And and where were the ten located before pre-COVID? We are in Hampton Roads, specifically Virginia Beach, Virginia. Okay, awesome, yeah. awesome. And obviously, the business is very healthy. Roughly, how many how many how many users or installs are there out there right now? So right now, we're we're over two million active installs. Now, is that two million that are on the free plan or on the paid plan? Just to be clear, Will, there is actually no free plan. So I think you might have been on what? the 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 nulled plan. <laughs> I, I'm on the nulled plan that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, if you type in Gravity Forms nulled, yes, there is there is a free plan out there, but there's not like there's no freemium model. It's definitely been one of the things that set it apart because it was it was from day one like, hey, we know that we want to commit to quality on this, so we don't want to try to do it by quantity. You know, that's the whole freemium model. Is like we're gonna get a ton of users and then convert a percentage of them 
they were like, look, we're going to get as many users as we get, but we're going to charge every single customer from day one. Interesting. So that, that, I'm glad that you, you corrected me on that because everybody's going to be like, wait, where's the freemium? Where's the premium? <laughs> I, think, I think I must have been trying – like I, I must have tried the free trial several times or something like that. But I remember being super resistant to, to, to paying for it at the time, and, and I'm super impressed with it now. And you know, yeah. it, It's just one of those things that, that, that you get in there and see where it goes. So 2 million, two million. Um, two million active installs. That that's got to feel really good. Oh um, yeah, not only that, but it, you know, it started with I think maybe three or four add-ons, first-party add-ons, and now we're up to fifty-six first-party add-ons, and that doesn't even get close to the number of third-party add-ons, which is well over three hundred third-party add-ons. That is just amazing in terms of you know now you have an ecosystem that people are building off of and creating more and more awesome functionality for the users that's beautiful okay so what key decisions were made um that that we would have done differently you say well so the key decisions that probably would have done differently were we kind of touched on it briefly just this idea of being less hesitant to grow there was a resistance to wanting to get too big too quickly uh, again, this desire to preserve the culture. I think, you know, looking back, they definitely would have said, hey, like, let's just, let's not stemmy the organic growth of the company. As we need things, let's just hire for that position and let the demand dictate the size to some degree. Interesting. Okay. Good. So if you were to summarize, like, like here, here's how this should be done differently. What advice would you give to other entrepreneurs? I would say... Again, this is kind of, <laughs> so I am an entrepreneur of my own, right? I have my own separate products, but I'm going to speak from the Gravity Forms perspective right now. I love it. I love it. And I'm going to say, you know, especially from the perspective of the first employee, I think culture is important, but I don't think that you can be afraid of losing your culture by growing, you know? And I think that you need to embrace this idea that in order to continue to be successful and to continue doing the things that you want to do with the product, you have to grow. And I think a big part of that growth is just learning how to be a master delegator. You have to learn how to manage and not, and let go of the reins a little bit, let go of that control. You know, you still guide the ship, but you got to let other people row. I love that. I mean, you talk about master. This is your first episode. You know, you jumped in on this episode of Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. Go back and look at our first season. We have a couple of episodes that specifically focus on delegation and what it takes to delegate and, and understanding. So I love, I mean, this is part of why we chose this topic because I see so much automation, delegation, and elimination needed inside the initial beginning pieces of a startup. You know, eliminating things that don't work, automating different pieces of the process. I mean, generally a SaaS company or a business in general is some sort of automation or delegation process to create future value and growth. I love it. Any other key business decisions that you'd want to pull out and share with our audience? I think one of the important things is to also stay focused. Gravity Forms had toyed with this idea of starting a few other major projects during the life of Gravity Forms. And at the end of the day, every time that they would get close to kind of fully committing to one of those projects, they just realized that it was detracting from the success of Gravity Forms itself. So I think staying focused on a, some whatever your flagship product is, there's just a lot of value in that. The other things is just, again, this is like the most obvious one, but it really does stand the test of time. And that is just a commitment to quality. Make sure that your software is backwards compatible. That doesn't always apply to a SaaS, but 
you know, when it comes to plugins, like making sure that your customer experience is fluid, even when you're making major changes is huge for keeping those customers on board and just maintaining that customer trust that, hey, they care about us as the individual customer and not just the success of the product, which ironically, you know, is a self-serving benefit. Yeah. There's so many books about about this kind of piece. But if you're looking for a book talking about treating people like people, highly recommend uh, Leadership and Self-Deception by the Arbinger Institute or The Anatomy of Peace. And they talk all about treating people like people and how, interestingly enough, that gets you what you want way faster than treating someone like an object or trying to manipulate them into what you want. So it's it's so powerful. I love I love what you said there about you know standing the test of time and staying focused. I couldn't agree more with choosing a product market fit and sometimes sticking to something even though it's not as sexy, right? Like mm -hmm. okay, I yeah, know I've I've got to build this. It's got to get better even though there are other new ideas that sound like they might be more interesting. This has been a fantastic episode. I'm, I'm super excited you're here. If our listeners want to get in touch with you or with the Gravity Form slash Rocket Genius team, the Rocket Geniuses, what, what's the <laughs> best way to get in touch? Well, if you want to talk to me, you can get in touch with me at davidrocketgenius.com. Uh, and if you want to talk to anybody else on the team, just drop us a line on our contact form on uh, gravityforms.com forward slash contact. Yeah, we'd be happy to talk to you. We love talking to our customers and our potential customers. Which I would imagine that contact form is built with Gravity Forms. Oh, you better believe it. We always <laughs> eating our own dog food. That's right. That's right. Well, super appreciate your time today. I, I can't uh, thank you enough. I think this is a fantastic way to kick off our season as we explore the automations, delegations, and eliminations that SaaS founders and the like have brought to the world and give you an inside sneak peek to what it was like to quit their jobs, to, to discover something new and bring you the value they've brought in something like Gravity Forms. So super appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Will. This was a ton of fun. All right. Well, that's it today for our episode of Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. If you have any questions or comments, please leave them in the, in the comments below and we'll leave it there. You've been listening to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate, hosted by Paul Christensen.